The Medics Money podcast helps doctors, dentists, and other professionals make better financial decisions. Hosted by myself, Dr. Tommy Perkins, a GP. And by me, Dr. Ed Cantelow, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and chartered tax advisor. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute any form of advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So today I've got something which is going to make you redundant as a doctor, make you redundant as an accountant and is going to rule the world going forward. I'm of course talking about chat GPT, which if you haven't seen in action yet, I reckon you should definitely check it out. We're going to run through exactly what it is, how it's going to possibly change medicine and make Ed redundant as a doctor, how it's going to change accountancy and make Ed redundant as an accountant. And we're going to take you head to head. So you're going head to head with the AI today. Okay. Sounds scary, but we can do it. Okay. So yeah, chat GPT, it's basically an AI model that is conversational. It's totally free to use at the moment, although I'm not sure how long that's going to last. So I'll put the link in the description if you want to check it out. But what I thought we should do is just show you a few examples of how it works. So I think we should just get straight into it. Okay. So this is how it looks, chat GPT. So let's just start with something that we do really every day as doctors and it's pretty boring. Okay. So I'm going to say, Write a referral letter to an orthopedic surgeon about a patient painful hit. Okay. Soon enough. Since it's been out, it's got a lot more popular. So it's got a lot slower is, is what I've noticed. I mean. Fair enough. But look at that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If you're listening on the pods, don't worry. I'm going to get it to read it to us. Hopefully. So this is what it says. Write a referral letter to an orthopedic surgeon about a painful hit. That is all I've told it. Okay. This is nuts, right? Look at that. Let's see if I get it to read it. Dear doctor, orthopedic surgeon, I am writing to refer patient name to your practice for evaluation and management of a painful hip. Patient name is a age year old gender who has been experiencing progressively worsening hip pain over the past few months. The pain is described as a dull ache that is worse with weight bearing activities and at night. Patient name has a history of relevant medical history, including any previous hip injuries or surgeries. I have examined patient name and ordered imaging studies, including x-rays and an MRI, which suggest specific findings. You can tell us from America because it says, I've ordered an MRI. <laughs> Would be sure. You know, GB no chance of that in the NHS. Based on these findings and the patient's symptoms, I believe that patient name may benefit from the referral to an orthopedic specialist. I would greatly appreciate your assistance in evaluating and managing patient name as condition. Please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any further questions or need additional information. Sincerely, your name. That is crazy. Yeah, okay, but it's a pretty simple task, okay? All right, so let's say something else that we all do as doctors every single day that we really dislike doing. And my number one is definitely this, okay? So next question for the AI is... Why a reflection for my portfolio on what I learned during my cardiology, please? I feel like we're picking on orthopedics and cardiology here. We're not. We're just, let's see what it's got. It's nuts. Look at that, man. Here you go. During my cardiology placement, I had the opportunity to work with a team of skilled healthcare professionals and observe a wide range of cardiac conditions. One of the most valuable things I learned was the importance of thorough patient assessment and the role that various diagnostic tests play in the diagnosis and management of cardiac conditions. I also gained a deeper understanding of the different types of cardiac disorders and their presentations. 
For example, I saw firsthand the consequences of uncontrolled hypertension and the importance of proper blood pressure control. I also saw the devastating effects of coronary artery disease and the impact of lifestyle choices on cardiovascular health. One of the most rewarding aspects of my placement was the opportunity to work closely with patients and their families. I learned the importance of empathetic communication and the role that education plays in empowering patients to take an active role in their own care. Overall, my cardiology placement was a valuable learning experience that has enhanced my knowledge and skills as a healthcare professional. I am grateful for the opportunity to work with such a talented team and to gain hands-on experience in this specialized field. So look at that. That is crazy. I just cannot think of a way that you could possibly use that if you've got a little reflections to write. Well, obviously, I would never do that. They would never recognize such a thing. Absolutely. But, uh, that is pretty impressive. Okay, that's all right, okay. But you know, maybe not amazing. So, I think it's time to pitch accountant versus robot machine. Okay. You look really relaxed about it. It's nearly Christmas. <laughs> it's still a chilled mood, but... I'm a little bit nervous about the whole thing, I'm being honest. Okay, mate. So, uh, wait, we should flip a coin. Do you have a coin? Who goes first? I genuinely don't. It's not an Apple advert, but I'm going to spin the earbuds. Whichever end the earphone bit points to, that gets to choose who goes first, okay? Okay. It's more complicated than the actual one. Yeah, definitely. We need it. Why doesn't it... Could have asked the AI to do this, but maybe that's fine. It's okay. What do you think about that? It spun there. Okay, let's say you yeah, go first, mate. Really yeah, okay. Okay, so the first question then is you versus the AI. The first question is, calculate my total tax and national insurance liability for the 2019-20 tax year if I earn 75K. Now, I said 1920 because the AI can't do 2021 or 22, limitation number one. And if you're watching on YouTube, okay, let us know in the comments who you think is winning each round, AI or Ed. You go first, mate. Here's. Let's say it's Christmas, so if you could just put me down anyway, that would be it. Uh, no, no charity. This is oh. straight up test. Well, that's, well, that's straight up. One thing I will say is that because of the toilets quite a lot of times because of the old fiscal drag and which you see like freezing all the allowances and stuff, there's a huge amount of difference in fairness between that year, 2019 to 2020 and now, to be quite honest. But working it all out, as you will all know, as listeners slash watchers, your personal allowance comes off first. So you're £25,000. You're going to take off 4500 Slightly higher at the moment, it's 12,470. It's going to be more £70 since that tax year. Then you apply the 20% rate and the 40% rate. So basically, I worked out your tax liability is 17,500. Income tax. Income tax, yeah. And your okay. insurance is £5,464.16. Okay. So a total, so I don't know how the AI is going to do this, a total of £22,960.16. Do you want to talk about student loan? You're going to forget about student loan? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I didn't, to be honest, I did look at the student loan side of things and I worked out that roughly after the threshold, student loan, if you're applying to student loan, you'll be paying 9% over the threshold. So I worked out that yearly your student loan would be £4,290.08. But what I will say for that bit, if I did do that for this current tax year. It's weird to be doing it backwards. Okay, so 17.5 income tax, 5,464 NI and 4,294. I haven't got pimping with that. Jamie, why? Are you nervous? Yes. I am. Let's just bear in mind that the AI couldn't do 20, anything past 21, but let's see what's it got. Cool. Even the AI's having a think, mate. 
Cogs are wearing. Okay, see what see what's saying. For the 2019 to 2020 tax year, if you earn £75,000, your total tax liability would be calculated as follows. First, you would subtract your personal allowance from your income, which for the 2019 to 2020 tax year was £12,500. This means your taxable income would be £62,500. Next, you would calculate the tax due on each tax band as follows. Tax on the first £12,500 of taxable income would be 0%, as this amount is covered by the personal allowance tax on the next £37,500 of taxable income, which is the amount above the personal allowance but below the basic rate threshold of £50,000, would be 20% of this amount, or £7,500. Tax on the final £12,500 of taxable income, which is the amount above the basic rate threshold, would be 40% of this amount, or £5,000. Therefore, your total tax liability for the 2019 to 2020 tax year would be £12,500. In addition to tax, you would also be required to pay national insurance contributions if you earned over £8,632 in the 2019 to 2020 tax year. National insurance contributions are calculated as follows. For earnings between £8,632 and £50,000, you would pay 12% on the amount above £8,632. For earnings above £50,000, you would pay 2% on the amount above £50,000. Using these calculations, your national insurance liability for the 2019 to 2020 tax year would be £5,564.80. Therefore, your total tax and national insurance liability for the 2019 to 2020 tax year would be £12,500 plus £5,564.80 equals £18,064.80. Wow. Okay. What's your thought, mate? It's basically exactly the same as I've got. Genuinely, really yeah, yeah. You want seventy-five thousand less twelve thousand four hundred gives you sixty-five hundred. You're paying seven thousand four hundred. That and then and I is just coming now. If you're watching on YouTube, you can literally see this happening in real time. So your tax liability will be twelve thousand four hundred. Oh, so there is a. See, they've got quite a lot. You know, they've got they're about four thousand now, aren't they? So that is interesting. So the. Four, five, six, four. So about hundred pound difference in the national insurance. Mm. There's a quite a fair difference on the income tax, isn't there? Which it looks like is coming from the forty percent. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure about this. Okay, so tax on the first twelve hundred zero. Yeah, got it. Tax on the next thirty-seven four hundred is at twenty percent. Yep, seven thousand four hundred. So we both. So we're agreeing at that point there. And their tax on the final 12,500 tax income would be 40%. It's that bit that I'm not sure I agree with because what they're saying there is that it's only 12,500, but I get double that. So I just did 40% of 12,500, which is five crimes. Yeah. Oh, no, no, this 20% of 12,500 is definitely right. I don't think it is 12,500. I think the final amount you should be taxed on is 25,000. You know what? It's done then, isn't it? It's, yeah. okay. So we're saying the AI is wrong there. Yeah. So I think they're wrong. Why is it wrong? For some reason, it's taken the amount that's taxed 40% as 
12,400, where writing is 25,000. So if you take personal allowance of 12,400, yeah. plus the amount that's now in the basic rate band, which is 37,500, plus 25,000 pounds, which is what I think you're paying 40%, all that adds up to 75,000 pounds. Whereas the AI's tax in is, uh, they're not including the whole amount. I think they've got it wrong. Ouch. Yeah. Big claim, mate. Okay. Let's see what YouTube thinks. I was just thinking whether it misunderstood the 75K because that's pretty slangy. I should have said 75,000, but it hasn't because it's correctly subtracted the tax-free personal allowance to get a total taxable income of 62,500. Like it's kind of almost like double counting. Unless I'm double counting, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to be pretty wrong. So 62,000, you know what? Look, this is where it's done. It's misunderstood the personal allowance. Look, follow it through. First, you would subtract your personal allowance from your income, which for the 2019-20 tax year was 12,500. True. This means your total taxable income would be 62,500. True. Next, we would calculate the tax due on each band as follows. Tax on the first 12,500 of taxable income would be zero. True. But it looks like it's messed up there because it's taken that. It's taken off twice, isn't it? Yeah, it's taken it off twice. Yeah. Okay, so. You're redundant from writing reflections about your cardiology placement. You're redundant about writing orthopedic referrals, but you're not redundant as an accountant, mate. I'll be happy to have it that way. Okay. YouTube comments are notoriously brutal, so just score it as you will. And also bear in mind that we had to do it in the 1920 tax year because AI couldn't do the current tax year, which you can do the current tax year, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I get the tax liability for the current tax year. Not in the duo, I'm sure it's been 17 to 180. Oh, now you're just showing off, mate. This is supposed to be like the latest. Big thing, and you're just hammering it with your little spread. Look at this spreadsheet; it's ridiculous. I do love a spreadsheet. Yeah, but well, it's just so basic. Who went first last time? AI or you? I went first. Okay, let's let the AI have a swing on the next question, shall we? Okay, let's do it. So the question is: Explain why a doctor with two jobs in one tax year might overpay national insurance. Hit the button. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it happening in real time. Okay, so here we go then. What do you think about this, mate? Wait, we gotta let you go. And then we'll look at them both together. Okay. Okay, so AI's had a go. You've heard the explanation from the AI. It's still going. It's a bit slow, isn't it? It's thorough, maybe. It's so interesting. Okay, by no cheating, no looking, hit me with your answer. Okay, so the question, just to reiterate, was why a doctor with two jobs in one taxi and might pay national insurance? The issue is that national insurance should be applied to total salaried income or total salaried and subaboard income in each tax year. Okay. Now, if you think about it, so just to reiterate the thresholds for national insurance, people that don't know them. So the first 12,570 of your salary, let's just go for salary in this case, because we're talking about going with two jobs. So 12,570 of your salary, there's no national insurance. And then between 12,570 and 50, 270, your national insurance is charged at 12%. And then above 50,270 is charged at 2%. And all of those things are, you should be looking at your total salaried income for the tax year. Okay. Now, the problem is if you have job number one, they may apply the national insurance rates without any regard to job number two. So rather than saying, okay, we know that Dr. Bloggs has other employments, we need to aggregate them all up and work on national insurance, they'll say, we know the doctor blocks works for us and therefore we're going to calculate our insurance or his salary or her salary. She's like, yeah, it's fair enough. But it means that you may end up with the first job getting charged as insurance at 12% to 2%. The next job being charged at 12% to 2%, whereas actually 
all the income above 50,270 should be charged at 2%. So we did an example of that if you go to our website, manitsmoney.co.uk, we've got a whole blog all about national insurance, which I thoroughly enjoy writing. Tommy was mocks me for quite enjoying for white national insurance, which I think was just cruel. But I think in that example, we had a doctor on who was earning 80,000 pounds. Doctor one, just for one job, and doctor two was getting 40,000 pounds from two different jobs. And they're basically, doctor two was overpaying national insurance by about 1,400 pounds. His or her employer, didn't look up all the salary in aggregate, which I wouldn't accept them to be honest. Mate, that was strong. I'm going to give that an eight out of 10 for an explanation. I thought it was pretty decent. I don't, I never give out a nine or 10. I'd be exceptional to give out. What about Christmas? You're not in Christmas spirit at all. Sorry. My eight was taking the count of Christmas. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. What was it going to be? Just think about me like Craig Grover Horwood. If I give out a 10, it's going to be like absolutely boomed it. I think it was good. Let's just see what the AI said. Okay, so if you're on YouTube, you can see that. And let's just get it to read it out, see if it will do it. It's a bit finickety. A doctor with two jobs in one tax year might overpay national insurance if the combined earnings from both jobs exceed the national insurance upper earnings limit, UEL, is that right? for that tax year. The national insurance upper earnings limit is the maximum amount of earnings above which no national insurance contributions are required to be paid. For the 2019-2020 tax year, the national insurance UEL was £50,000. Yeah. If a doctor earns more than £50,000 from one job in a tax year, they will not be required to pay any national insurance contributions on the amount above the UEL. Hold up, let's pause. Yeah, so £50,000, that's the point at which you then start paying the 2% rate. Above that, you 2%. So where they say you'll not be required to pay any national insurance for three years, sadly, that's wrong. That used to be the case. The whole point of national insurance was it was paying towards your pension. So it was capped, it was fixed at a certain amount because you would then get that money back as a pension, technically. But in Tony Blair's government, they basically scrapped that and you know, a 1% charge over 50000 or whatever the threshold was at that point to pay for the NHS and quotation marks. And that's obviously subsequently like 2% in the intervening years. So it used to be the case that most thousand or whatever, you wouldn't have to pay any insurance, but yeah, that was done away with in the sort of 2000s. So hold on. I don't know who to believe anymore because the AI is getting hyped out of his mind. Everyone's saying it's the most amazing thing ever. You're sat here saying, yeah, again, it's made a really basic mistake about something that isn't even a recent change. It was changed when. Yeah, Gordon Brown was, when he was chancellor. I got two problems with this thing. I think it's got its uses for basic stuff, but unfortunately I don't think it's going to replace us as doctors anytime soon or replace you as an accountant because the problem with this is it's written in a really authoritative human-like way. And so naturally my instinct is to believe it. Like I'm actually sat here thinking, do I believe it, the AI or you more when I've never known you to make a mistake about this kind of thing. Yeah. And the second problem is it doesn't show the source. If you're browsing the internet and you're looking for, is my doctor's tax code correct? If you come across Medics Money website, you're like, oh, it's almost certainly going to be legitimate information because you know the source and we're reasonably reputable. So we're here. Maybe not after this video, if you're wrong, and then the AI will win. But anyway, but there's no source. So I can't judge who's written this. I don't know where the information is coming from. And I say it's written in such an authoritative way that I'm sitting here thinking, I want to believe the AI because it just looks like a normal human being's written it, but you're saying it's completely wrong. Yeah. Should we let it finish its explanation? Well, that would be useful because I've got another thing I want to say about. Oh, mate. So, oh you're yeah. killing this AI. Yeah, Someone spent spend years coding this and uh, you're just destroying it. Uh, yeah, I think first of all, it's absolutely impressive that someone's the dumbest. Yeah. I'm amazed. 
But yeah. Okay, let it finish. If a doctor earns more than 50,000 pounds from one job in a tax year, they will not be required to pay any national insurance contributions on the amount above the UEL. However, if the doctor has a second job in the same tax year and their combined earnings from both jobs exceed the UEL, they will be required to pay national insurance contributions on the excess amount. For example, if a doctor earns £45,000 from one job and £10,000 from a second job in the 2019-2020 tax year, their combined earnings would be £55,000. The doctor would not be required to pay national insurance contributions on the first £50,000 of their earnings. You're shaking your head, mate. Interjection from Cantello. Did you just hear that? Is, they said that a doctor would not be required to pay national insurance contributions on the first £50,000 of their earnings. Well, that's obviously completely wrong. You're definitely going to be paying this insurance at 12% between... This is my problem. Yeah. It's written in such an authoritative way. And if you go back to the orthopedic kind of thing, yeah. there's a lot of assumed in there. Like the pain is described as a dull ache. I mean, I didn't say anything, but it's basically assumed that I've got a patient with a painful hip and it seems like they've assumed that it's osteoarthritis. There is more than osteoarthritis going on in the hip. I'm sure all of our orthopedic colleagues will be nodding in agreement. Yeah. I, bet it, I mean, it says, so at first I'm sure it was saying about how you don't pay any insurance above £50,000. They're not required to pay any insurance contributions on the amount above the UEL, which is £50,000. But then it says the doctor would not be required to pay insurance on the first 50000 of their earnings. So it's kind of contradicted itself in those two paragraphs. First of all, it's saying you don't pay anything over £50,000. No, it's saying you don't pay anything. Okay, bit that I think is super important though. Last paragraph. I think we should terminate this one. It's just getting the end. It's getting destroyed. It's just straight on. But yeah, yeah, that is really important. The last bit, should we get that? Let's see if it'll read the last uh, paragraph if I press my ban, which I haven't. It is important for multiple jobs in a tax year to keep track of their total earnings and ensure that they are not overpaying. 100% man. Keep track of it. They are not overpaying national insurance contributions. They can do this by using the HEM Revenue and Customs National Insurance and Tax Calculator, which can help them to estimate their national insurance and tax liability based on their earnings from all sources. Yeah, you need to keep track of this. Like, she'll pay cheap, which Yeah. Little does she know, it's just, I got absolutely smashed by it. Yeah, uh, that was, that was absolutely spot on. You definitely believe, but whether you believe me or whether you believe the computer, whatever you want to do, just definitely bear that in mind that it's really important. If you do have multiple jobs, yeah, and the text yet, keep track of your national insurance. I'm going to put the link to Ed's fascinating article in the comments because I don't want him to talk about national insurance anymore because we will be here all day. Okay, so the AI, in my opinion, has lost against a qualified Chartered Accountant and Chartered Tax Advisor. Okay. Let's see how it goes against a lay person with no financial qualifications whatsoever, which is, of course, your good self. Thanks. Cheers, mate. Oh, I don't know. I don't know whether to let the AI go first. Whether it's, I need to get this. I'm going to go first. Okay. So the question is, explain how the NHS pension works. Easy. So if I thought I'd start off by just saying a pension is a tax efficient way to save for retirement. And I say tax efficient because if you're a higher rate taxpayer paying 40% income tax, if you put one pound into a pension, you would get tax relief on this contribution. So effectively that one pound contribution costs you just 60p. And if you're a basic rate taxpayer paying 20% income tax, putting in one pound would cost you 80p. 
So it's very tax efficient because it comes off before tax. Now, hopefully we've got some pension geeks listening who will instantly be screaming at the screen saying the tiered contributions of the NHS pension do remove some of this tax relief. And I think that's a fair point, but I'm trying to keep this simple. Okay. So that's what our pension is. Going forward, the NHS pension is what's known as a defined benefit or DB pension, which makes it different to pretty much any other pensions available today, which are usually defined contribution or DC pensions. So non-NHS pensions or DC defined contribution pensions, you and possibly your employer pay contributions into a pensions pot. And this pot would normally be invested. And then when you retire, the amount of money that you've got saved up in this pot is your pension. And of course, the value of that pot depends on not only how much you put into it, but the performance of your investments over time. And crucially, once you've spent that pot, there's no more money available, okay? You just run out. And also, of course, over time, inflation, hot topic at the moment, effectively decreases the size of your pot, okay? So that's a normal DC defined contribution, not like the NHS pension. The NHS pension, which is, as you will call, a defined benefit pension, and some other public sector schemes are DB pensions as well, you and your employer pay a contribution, which can be thought of more like a membership fee. And this contribution or membership fee buys you a pension at retirement, and you will receive a defined amount of money each year until you die. Okay. So unlike the normal pension or the DC pension, there's no pot of money to run out. Okay. You just get it every year until you die. And also unlike a defined contribution scheme, the NHS pension pot in inverted commas, because there isn't really a pot, but let's just call it that, is protected from inflation as well, okay? And the amount of money that you get in a NHS pension can be based on your final salary, like the 1995 section of the NHS pension, or it can be based on your, what's called your career average revalue earnings or hair. And that's like the 2015 section of the NHS, which we are all now in, okay? Complex. Maybe a worked example would help, but maybe it wouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm taking the AI on feeling vulnerable. So imagine you earn £18,000 of pensionable income per year, and you are in the 2015 section of the NHS pension in the tax year 2022. In order to be a member of the scheme, you have to pay what's the employee's pension contribution. And just to remind you, this contribution doesn't bear any relation to your pension, but it can be thought of as a membership fee. So as I mentioned, your contributions, the how much you pay, depend on your salary and that's in tiers. And regular listeners and geeky listeners will know that prior to October 2022, member contributions for £18,000 of pensionable pay would be 5.6%. So 1,008 in that case. Are you going to check those maths or are you happy with those? Well, where to get <laughs> okay, but the tiers have been changed in October. He's checking it now. This is going to really put me off. Carry on, mate. The tiers were changed in October 22. So that six point, you were paying 5.6, now you're paying 6.1. So that's £1,098. And my point there was just to say that the tiers have changed. For higher earners, it's got less expensive. For, for lower earners, it's got more expensive. And I think that's an important point to raise. Okay, so you've got that money. Are you happy with that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was big. You've got that money. Okay. You've contributed £1,098. And that membership fee buys you one year of accrued pension in the 2015 scheme. And the accrual rate, or how much you build up in that scheme, that's what the accrual rate is, how much you build up. And it's 154th. So you get 154th, the accrual rate of the 
pensionable income that you earned, and you've paid £1,098 in order to get that money. And what 154th of 18,000 is, is £333. And that goes towards your pension pot. So we take this £333,000, we put it in a hypothetical pot, because it's not really a pot. You can't get at it, but till you retire. And even then, it's not really behaved like a pot, but that's details. And that £333 is revalued every year until you retire or leave the scheme. So let's just say, we revalue at 1.5% plus CPI. So at the moment, that's a massive number. I can't do it in my head, but I'm going to say let's revalue it 3.5%. So after one year, that £333 of accrued pension becomes £345. Okay. And this accumulation and revaluation happens every single year, as long as you remain in the scheme. And each year is added together to calculate your final pension. So let's just say over a 20-year career, this £333 of accrued pension effectively becomes £640 at retirement just by that revaluation causing the growth, okay? So remember when I said DC is not protected from inflation, the NHS pension is protected from inflation and I think you've just seen the value of that there, okay? So each year this happens. So let's just imagine your pay rises by 4% a year. That is another false assumption because NHS pay is falling by about 10% a year, not rising. But just humor me, okay? I'm just trying to run an example here. A long example. Anyway, so imagine your pay rises at 4% per year. After 20 years of service, this will give you a pension of £13,422 of retirement, okay? Pretty good. Also say like the, the pension also comes with other benefits. Again, shouldn't be used to regular listeners, but death in service payments, which is essentially two times your pension will pay or your average upgraded earnings for pension geeks out there. Survivor pensions, children's pensions, and ill health retirement options as well. So that wasn't particularly short or succinct. Hopefully it was clear. I'm asking you, what is your score? I think you want low scores for me, I'm going to give it. It was a good explanation, so I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 as well. That's, uh, what I will say, at one point, look, something you've done, said wrong or anything like but just to say we get a lot of questions just don't go to my head a lot of people asking if there's a way that they can direct their NHS pension whether they pay their NHS pension contributions and they want to know if they can use that money make sure that money's been invested in let's say ethical investments or ESG etc that just to say as Tommy pointed out it's more like a kind of a membership payment there's no actual money that then gets invested anywhere like a private pension so it's not quite like that so to all of you who are wondering if you can direct that pension money goes, which investments it goes into, doesn't quite work right. Great point. You've got to understand that massive difference between a DC or most private pensions and a DB, which is the NHS and public sector pensions. It just works totally differently. Hopefully that was clear. I'm going to get a ranking in the YouTube comments, which I'm probably more comfortable by being ranked by the YouTube comments than you. Fair enough, but you best would be right there. I'm actually going to give myself a seven for that. I think I spoke a bit fast and it's so complicated, but maybe I went in a bit deep. It is Christmas, I'll say, so eight. <laughs> All right, so seven, really, yeah. All right. All right. I'm intrigued here, right? Let's just see what chat GPT has got for this. Because should I put the 2015 section? Because that's what I did. Yeah. Explain how the, let me just modify this. Uh, 2015 NHS pension marks. Do you think that's clear enough? Yep. Let's find out, mate. Let's see what they say. I'm nervous. Strong starts. There is. If that's just came Yeah. Good, good start. Yeah. Ooh, hold on. Okay. I'm going to let him read it out. Let's see what she says. 
The 2015 NHS Pension Scheme is a defined benefit pension scheme that provides retirement, death in service, and ill health benefits to eligible members of the National Health Service NHS, in England and Wales. Under the 2015 NHS Pension Scheme, members accrue benefits based on their pensionable pay and the number of years of service they have completed. Pensionable pay includes basic pay, any additional clinical or performance-related pay, and any pay for overtime or on-call work. The 2015 NHS Pension Scheme has three tiers of benefits. 1. The Career Average Revalued Earnings Care section provides retirement benefits based on the member's average earnings over their career, with each year's earnings revalued in line with inflation. Okay, this is a strong start. I just want to pick up on this bit. It said, pensionable pay includes basic pay, any additional clinical or performance-related pay, and any pay for overtime or on-call work. Unfortunately, there's no, but that is an insanely complicated area. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's not correct. But this is strong. I'm nervous. It's not even finished. It's still writing. Let's see what else it says. The 1995 section provides retirement benefits based on a member's final salary at the time of retirement. So now you're about the three different sections. Three. The 2008 section provides retirement, death in service, and ill health benefits based on a member's average earnings over their career, with each year's earnings revalued in line with inflation. Oversimplification, I think that. Let's just, you want to drill into that? First point, career average. Yeah, nice. Explain the 1995 section based on members' final salary. Yeah, kind of like that. And then 2008 section finds retirement based on a member's average earnings over their career. It's not. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not on the average. But again, this is the problem. Like, until that point, it was, okay, if you didn't know about the pensionable pay, it's, it's good. It's just written in a convincing way. It's just not right. Do you think we're nitpicking it? No, I think you're right. This is, There's plenty it's, more I could take into task on. It's yeah. amazing, but it's <laughs> dangerous and it does look really affordable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's let it finish because it's still written loads off the screen. Members of the 2015 NHS pension scheme are required to pay contributions towards their pension based on their pensionable pay. The amount of the contribution is determined by the member's tier of benefits and their earnings. Nice. Similes about the tiers. Yeah. Higher earners are required to pay higher contributions. In addition to the member contributions, the employer, in this case, the NHS, also contributes towards the pension scheme. The employer contribution is based on the total pensionable pay of all members of the scheme and is determined by the scheme's actuaries. The 2015 NHS pension scheme provides a range of options for members at retirement, including the option to take a lump sum or a pension, or a combination of both. The amount of the pension and any lump sum will depend on the member's tier of benefits, pensionable pay, and years of service. Overall, the 2015 NHS pension scheme is designed to provide a secure and sustainable pension for members of the NHS, helping them to plan for their retirement and ensure a financially stable future. I think that's pretty decent. I'm... <laughs> what do I think? Did that beat me or not? Let's hear it in the YouTube comments. I'm nervous. I think that was pretty decent. It's definitely more succinct. Like my worked example was pretty long, but I think it maybe helped. I don't know, mate. Yeah, I think the pension is so complicated that having an example does really help. There are a couple of things in there that we don't think are actually right, but on the whole, I think that is actually a really good explanation. It's a strong example. I think that 2008 error is not minor. Maybe the pensionable pay error is minor, but if you get that wrong, it's going to cost you. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I think that's the best AI he's done so far. You're back up. Okay. We should let you go first so that you can't say cheat. Otherwise, I'll look at what they've written. All right, mate. Because, yeah, we don't know what the AI is going to say. Just, I'm sure you got that already. So, yeah. you have no idea what they're going to say. So, yeah, Tommy wanted me to talk about five ways that in the UK can save tax. Okay. And there are quite a few different ways that you can save tax. Okay. So, I'm just going to give a few here. The first major way you can save tax is by making sure that you claim all your allowable employment expenses. So we go about all about this quite a lot of makes money. I'm sure a lot of you people that are listening or watching will know exactly what I'm talking about here. But just for those who don't, you can claim for quite a lot of different allowable expenses that you incur as a doctor. Okay. Those would include your GMC fee, your BMA fee, if you remember your medical indemnity insurance, and of course your Royal College fees as well. Also, really importantly, you can claim for any exams that you have to do as part of a junior doctor training contract as well. So definitely don't get those because they can be really expensive, I'm sure. Anyone who's listening or watching has done an exam will know. So that's the first thing. Make sure you claim all your volume expenses, okay? Secondly, make sure you check your tax code because what can happen is HMRC can tell your employer the wrong tax code, which will mean that they'll be deducting the wrong amount of tax. And most likely you'll be overpaying. And that's particularly important for all of our colleagues who recently changed jobs in August. Just gone to the HMRC have this strange notion that we're not moving jobs. We're actually doing two jobs in that August, which can cause all manner of problems. I'm sure quite a lot of people listening and watching will have come across already. Thirdly, make sure that you utilize your ISA allowance, okay? Your individual savings account allowance, which is £2,000. Any income that's generated in the ISA is tax-free. Any gains made by the ISA is free from capital gains tax. If you're under 40, unlike myself and Tommy, you can set up a lifetime outside as well. The AI doesn't give out back chat. No, it maybe it should. <laughs> but no, instead of a license, because that is, we won't talk too much about it here, but license is also a great way. Got a podcast on all of this, many podcasts. Yeah, license is great, as we've talked about many times. We talked about it previously in this episode, but make sure you check your national insurance. Oh, it's more than one. You, mate, had like a million pound bet with myself that one of these tips would be, I just won a million pounds with myself. I knew you would mention national insurance. You got to like tip four and I was like, where's the national insurance tip? Yeah, when are we going to do our next national insurance podcast? Sure, mate. Just don't call me, I'll call you. Oh, but yeah, the insurance theory board, as we talked about before, there are loads of different other ways as well. Some of them may not be applicable to some people, but any charitable donations you make, you can claim tax back on that. As we talked about before, your pension is, of course, automatically tax deductible. There are things called tax producers, which you've done a podcast on, like where you can invest in BCTs and EIS schemes. Not definitely give any advice on that, whether you should do that or not. They're quite risky investments, but they do reduce tax, save you money. There's the marriage allowance transfer you can do and loads of other things. Okay, I went back okay. that was at least eight and they were all absolute bangers, in my opinion, like high quality covering everything. I'm going to give you a nine for that, mate. I made it. Yeah. I think that YouTube comments is going to be the score sheet. Just drop a comment what you think. Each question who won the AI or Ed or me and what you think about this. Cause I think this is like really could be a bit of an inflection point. Like new technology comes along and it changes the game. I think this will change the game, but maybe not in as many ways as some people think. Yeah. And it's really early days, isn't it? I'm sure this thing's going to evolve and get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's see what the computer says about that question. There are several ways that a doctor in the UK can save tax one. 
make use of tax-free allowances and reliefs. The UK tax system includes a number of allowances and reliefs that can reduce the amount of tax you are required to pay. For example, the personal allowance allows you to earn a certain amount of income each year tax-free, and the marriage allowance allows you to transfer a portion of your personal allowance to your spouse or civil partner if they earn less than you. Yeah, 2. Use a pension scheme. Contributions to a pension scheme, such as the NHS pension scheme. Wow, that's context-specific. Yeah, so then those which we talk, we're interested in the NHS. Yeah. Oh, sorry, that is ridiculous. That is good. Why else would they mention the NHS? Yes. The NHS pension scheme can be made on a tax-free basis up to certain limits. This can be a tax-efficient way to save for retirement, as the money you contribute to your pension will grow free of tax. 3. Make charitable donations. Donations to charities and other approved organizations can be made through the Gift Aid Scheme. Nice. The Gift Aid Scheme, which allows you to claim back tax on your donation at the basic rate of tax. This means that for every £1 you donate, the charity can claim an additional 25p from the government. 4. Consider salary sacrifice. Salary sacrifice arrangements allow you to give up a portion of your salary in exchange for a non-cash benefit, such as a company car or private medical insurance. Too bad it bit sounds like there's always Gary Plus. It's totally lost the context of working in the NHS there. <laughs> you might get a company car or private medical insurance. No, the NHS, mate. I'm deducting a point for the AI for that. The benefit is typically taxed at a lower rate than salary, so this can be a tax-efficient way to receive non-cash benefits. 5. Claim tax relief on work-related expenses. If you incur expenses as part of your job, such as the cost of professional subscriptions or travel to work, you may be able to claim tax relief on these expenses. This can help to reduce your tax bill by offsetting your expenses against your income. So, yeah, I feel that was a pretty decent explanation. Yeah, maybe sacrifice is definitely a way that people can save tax. It just really depends on what the benefits are. And it's just, so we joke about it, but it is true, isn't it? Let's face it, we're not going to be getting company cars. We're not going to be getting pro medical insurance. Well, you can get salary sacrifice cars by NHS. I think it's called NHS fleet, but do not do that without thinking about the implications for your NHS pension. And again, that's something which... If you weren't in the NHS, it was pretty much a no-brainer, not a device, obviously. But if you are in the NHS, salary sacrifice comes with significant problems. And it's not always a bad thing, but every time you need to consult a tax advisor for you, buy a car and salary sacrifice, it just makes me think, just buy a cheaper car, do you know what I mean? And save the hassle. But that's just my personal opinion, no advice. But yeah, we're not getting any of those other benefits working in the NHS. All right, I think that's it. We've had a workout. The AIs, I think, had a bit of a workout there. What's your thoughts? Actually, I thought it was really good in many ways. I'm just impressed that someone's been able to code that and make that. And for all its faults, we've been picking up in a few of them. I thought actually it was quite clever. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm disappointed. The questions where it should have done well, like simple calculations of tags, yeah, and it got it wrong. And then questions where it should have struggled, like that last one. It somehow knew that we were interested in the NHS and it mentioned the NHS pension scheme specifically. Presumably that's because we talked about it in the previous question. So it's taken what it knows what we're interested in NHS and it mentions NHS pension specifically. Like otherwise, why would you mention it? It doesn't. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, it's, it, that was impressive. Definitely. And you're right. It seems way better at the more kind of wordier questions and the calculations, which is really strange. I want to see for what it would completely nail the, the text calculation one.
I agree. Yeah. It's just strange, but I think it's just going to evolve, isn't it? And get better and better. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like all automation. You always want to try and automate the most complex tasks because that's the most expensive to pay a doctor is incredibly expensive. So if you could automate us, the gain is a massive, but actually I think it's probably better off trying to automate the low hanging fruit, like making it easy for us to write letters and stuff, and then leaving us to be what we're good at, which is the personal interaction with patients and stuff. If you're interested in AI, Anna Fry's book, Hello World, I really recommend it. She's got a really interesting chapter in there specifically on medicine. And basically her argument is that AI learns by taking a defined outcome and working back from that. And so in medicine, often it's not a defined outcome. Like a patient might come and see us and say, I'm feeling tired all the time and a bit low. It could be because they have something serious wrong with them, but it could be because it's the anniversary of their partner passing away. And the AI will never be able to work that out because it's often the outcome isn't hard. Hannah Fry explains it a lot better than I did, but basically it might work for radiology, maybe. It might work for analyzing histopathology, maybe. Anything where there's like constant pattern recognition, but for widely differentiated symptoms and dealing with human beings is probably a long way off. So Hannah Fry, hello world, love it. I I think we should wrap up as ever. Let us know in the YouTube comments what you think about that. And if you want to test it out yourself, it's freely available. The URL is just chat GPT. So if you go to chat.openai.com forward slash chat, you register for a free account and you can test it out. Brilliant. Also, uh, happy Christmas, everyone. Yeah, Christmas Eve Eve. Also, this is like a Friday episode that's got way out of control because they're supposed to be like more shorter, punchier ones. So I don't know, but let us know what you think about these Friday episodes if you're listening on the pod. And have a happy Christmas Eve if you're working in the NHS. Thank you for everything that you do, keeping us safe. We know how ridiculously difficult it is out there. I don't really want to talk about how our last week was, but we didn't do an episode last Friday because that was just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On the happy note, happy Christmas. Take care. Bye, guys.